0: Let's pray. Lord, just give our hearts to be open, Lord. Have our hearts be open. Have our minds be open. Our ears be opened. And I just pray for the words to speak, Lord. I speak clearly. And uh, just speak through me. In your name we pray. Amen. So, how about Bennett? First time getting up here all by himself. Not something I would do, but um, good for you, Bennett. So, how many of you are wrestling fans? Yeah, a few, huh? And I'm not talking about, you know, high school wrestling or Olympic wrestling. I'm not talking about that kind of wrestling. I'm talking about the, that intense, that heart pounding, that no holds barred wrestling. I'm talking about Nacho Libre type wrestling. Yeah, there's one person seen Nacho Libre, one of the greatest films ever. You guys are missing out. Okay, I see one over there. But that, that wrestling that we see on Monday Night Raw, you guys watch Monday Night Raw, or how about Wednesday, WWE main event, or on Friday nights, we have Friday Night Smackdown. That's the kind of wrestling I'm talking about. So today we're going to look at a story, and I'm going to call it the ultimate Smackdown. It's going to be the ultimate Smackdown. So in one corner, we have King Ahab. King Ahab, with his, with his black mask on and his lightning bolts and his horns, this is King Ahab. We'll let this be King Ahab here, just to we'll put him up here on the, the microphone. He's, in his corner, he's got 450 prophets of Baal, and he's got 400 prophets of Asherah. Now, King Ahab, he's going to lead the nation of Israel for 38 years throughout his lifetime. King Ahab is the one that actually, he married Jezebel. His wife is named Jezebel. Jezebel wasn't any good. She's not a very good lady. So Jezebel influenced King Ahab. Ahab, upon his marriage, he built a temple for Baal. And then after he built this temple, he actually started to erect, erect Asherah poles, started to worship other gods, started to worship Baal. In fact, this is how great a king King Ahab was. It tells us in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 16.33, it says that he did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. That's what kind of King, King Ahab was. So now also in this corner is supposedly Baal. Baal is in this corner with all of his 450 prophets. And Baal, just so you know, he was the god of weather. Baal was the god of weather that he's specifically, he specifically had power over lightning and wind and rain and fertility. Now in the opposing corner, we have the prophet Elijah. Elijah gets the one. He's got a little cross here. He gets a little mask. We'll just leave Elijah right here. So he, he's, he's a simple man. He's just a prophet of God. He's a prophet to Israel. And actually, he's delivered a message previously to King Ahab that there's not going to be any rain in all the land. There's not no rain, no, not even any dew in all the land until God says that I'm going to bring rain back. Now, Elijah has spent several years fleeing King Ahab after he delivered this news because of, you know, I already mentioned how great a King Ahab was, so he went after, went after Elijah. And so Elijah has spent time in the wilderness. He's been fed by ravens. Ravens have brought him food, and then God said, "You know what? I need you to go to a widow's house." So he goes to the widow's house, and the widow is supposed to feed him. The widow says, "You know, all I have is this little bit of flour and a little bit of oil." And Elijah says, "I don't care. Feed me anyway." So she feeds him, and she says, "Well, if I feed you, I'm gonna, we're gonna run out of food, and we're all gonna die." Well, that jar in that flour that it never ran out because God was miraculous and provided that for them. Now, also, we see that uh, the widow's son one day dies. So Elijah goes upstairs and miraculously and crying out to God, the son comes back to life. So this is Elijah, this is the corner he's in. Now Elijah has spent the three years in exile from Ahab and he comes back and he has this interaction with Ahab and it's tense. It's tense, they're lining up for each other. You ever seen weigh-ins at a boxing or something like that or UFC? You know they get in each other's face and they want to punch each other. Well, this this was pretty intense this this interaction, and he he's telling Ahab that you know God's the rain's going to be over, the drought's going to be over, rain's going to come pretty soon. So, now the location of today's Smackdown is Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is a it's a a small mountain, small hill that uh, actually they they believe it's a sacred place this time. They actually, there's idol worship on top of this mountain. And there was also at one time the God of Israel was also worshipped on this mountain. Now the stage is set. We have our opposing sides. We have King Ahab in black, Elijah in gold. And so everything's set. So as they say in wrestling or boxing, are you ready to rumble? So we're about to start. But there's one last thing that we need to talk about. Usually in a match like this, isn't there, there's, like some, there's some stakes. You're, you're going to fight for something. There's going to be something that, that, that we're going to talk about. So there's got to be stakes. So what are the stakes? If you want to turn to 1 Kings 18, that's where we're going to be today. Those at home, if you want to grab a Bible, if you have a Bible, and you want to turn to 1 Kings 18, we're going to begin in verse 20. Let me, start, let me start that, and let's read that. It says, so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. So the people of Israel, they found themselves, they're they're trying to worship both God and Baal. They're trying to do both. And there's probably these other smaller gods that they're off worshiping, too, because I mentioned the Asherah poles. So Elijah's saying, you know what, you can't, you can't do that. You've got to make a decision. He, he's giving the people a choice. He's saying, you need to choose one or the other, not both, not both. So I thought, sometimes do we find ourselves with that same question? that we're kind of caught in the middle, that we're kind of, we're worshiping God, but yet we find ourselves drifting over here and maybe worshiping something else, and we come, be, come get distracted, and we get distracted from God. And there's so many different opinions out there right now. There's so many different beliefs out there right now that there's so many things of like even people saying what you can't believe, what you should believe, how, who you should believe in, or if you should even believe we're trying to put our faith in maybe lots of other things other than God. Now, this story tells me, it gives me a sure reassurance that if we're struggling with this, if we sometimes catch ourselves in this, this is nothing new. These guys have been doing this, these are thousands and thousands of years ago that they were trying to decide. But that's something that, you know, we're trying to decide. We're trying to juggle these multiple beliefs, multiple things that we put our, put our trust in, that we put our faith in. And are we going to follow God or are we going to follow something else? Are we going to follow God or follow the path that maybe I want to go on, that I want to walk on, that we, we follow God or whatever the current opinion is? Kind of like this King Ahab brought in Baal, and that was the current opinion, so they're trying to do both. But we need to choose one or the other, not both. If you look at the words of Revelation 3, 15 through 16, be on the screen. It says, I know all the things you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I think that's how Elijah is describing these people, isn't he? He's saying, you guys are lukewarm. You need to be hot or cold, but not here in the middle, not Lukewarm you can't pick and choose what parts of this you want to believe in and what parts of God you want to believe in and you just ignore the others that you can't go along with everyone else just because that's what everybody else is doing you need to either follow the one the one and true only God the God of Israel or the, and that was the God of their ancestors or you don't and you go this other path now I to kind of give a Silly, relation, uh, silly example of that is, think of the guy that has been dating a girl for like five or ten years. Never gets married. Because he's, he's, he's kind of lukewarm about it. He's like, well, I don't want to get Well, I do want to get married. And he's just in the middle there. He's, he's lukewarm about this whole marriage thing. And until one day, the woman goes and says, you know what, you either put a ring on this finger or you forget it. You got a choice, it's one or the other. You're either in or you're out. That's kind of, but the guy is lukewarm. He's in the middle, he doesn't know what he's wanna do. That's kind of what this is like. Now, something else in this story, did you notice the people were silent? Those people were silent, they didn't even know what to say. They, they were maybe thinking they're trying to decide, maybe they were trying to decide what they needed to choose. Or maybe they're also because they were convicted they maybe realize he was right. Maybe maybe sometimes God has convicted us on that too. Maybe we've been convicted that we're speechless. And maybe right now some of us, maybe there's someone in this room right now that's speechless, that they don't know what to say. Perhaps in a way we're following multiple gods. We're, we're, we're worshiping many things. We're not letting God be the priority in our life. That we're maybe distanced from God, or we're not fully committed to him. We don't fully trust him. That maybe, well, Maybe we're lukewarm. So what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? But before you decide, there's, there's more to this story. We're going to continue looking at verse 22. It says, Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Give two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and put it in the wood on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, What you say is good. Now those stakes seem pretty equal, don't they? The competition, that seems pretty fair. They both get the same opportunity, the same the same they both get a bowl, they both get wood, they both get f- fire, they both do that. It, it, it seems fair. But I think these Israelites, maybe they thought they have short-term memory because do you guys remember all the stories we've talked about for the last few months, last few weeks, of what this God has done, this God that is the God of, of Israel, that's the same God that we have? But if, if you forgot, let's, I'm going to review a few of them for you. This is the God that's brought a flood. Remember Noah and the flood? Brought a flood that wiped out the entire world except for Noah and then Moses there's all kinds of things that God did with Moses he he all the plagues that were brought upon Egypt how he parted the Red Sea how he saved him and then there was even Joseph how he Joseph was sold by his brothers put in prison all of those things to him and he was rose to power to be the second in command over Egypt and then a few weeks ago we looked at Gideon Gideon defeating the the army of the Midianites with only 300 people. And then David defeating this giant named Goliath when David was just a kid. Now let's compare that resume to Baal. So what has Baal done? Exactly nothing. Baal's done nothing. So I don't know. These odds don't seem very equal to me. So. What have those those little G gods done for us? Those little G gods that distract us from God. You know, I think of think of when you're a kid when you have your favorite toy. Guys, ever have favorite toys when you're a kid? You know, when I was growing up, there was a toy this this evil Knievel doll with this motorcycle that would that would be you know you'd be able to pull it pull the thing and the motorcycle would go and it would jump over this thing, but By itself, what could this thing do? I mean, I'm the one that had to put the doll on the motorcycle. I'm the one that had to pull this ripcord and face it in the direction of the ramp to make it jump. So this thing could do nothing. This thing that I kind of worshipped and wanted to know where it was all the time, it it couldn't do anything. It It was nothing. It had zero power. So those little G gods in our lives, what do they do for us? Nothing. They don't do anything for us. Now, this battle is set. it's time for this this battle to start. It's time for the smackdown to start and Baal's prophets are up first so they f- they're filled with confidence. they think this is going to be easy. They think to themselves, this is this is going to be easy, or is it? you know I'm sure that that they pick because they get to pick, I'm sure they're going to pick the hairiest bull of them all, the one that's got the most hair. That should be really easy for them to, to start fire. Aspen, what are those, whor- those cows, Himalayan cows? Is that what they are, those hairy ones? Scottish Highlanders. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Look them up, but they're these little hairy, hairy cows that, that I think those would start. So that's probably what they, they pick, because they should start eat fire easiest. And also, there's 450 prophets of Bale. There's 450 of them. You think that Baal would listen to at least one of them. If all 450 are praying or yelling or doing whatever they're doing, you think that one of them would catch his attention and, and he could start the fire. And Remember when I said Baal was the god of weather? It should be nothing for him to send a lightning bolt down and, and burn this bull up and burn all that wood up. You would think, and then with the 450 there. So the odds, the odds seem to be in favor of the prophets seem seemed to be in that favor just by the sheer number of them and who, who bail is supposed to be. Now, have you ever been in a situation like this where you get to choose? You get to choose first and and maybe you get to choose a path. And, and don't we tend to want to pick the easy way? Like these guys will pick the easy one. That we... Even in our gut, we know that it's, this isn't the, this isn't the right way this this just doesn't seem right, but we ignore that and we choose this easy path you you choose the one that you, it doesn't go against the popular opinion. these prophets aren't going to choose the path of God they're going to choose the path that's easy that everybody else wants to do that the, the crowd wants to do, and that you give in to the pressure like these prophets of Baal and You turn to other gods. You turn to pursue the Baals in our lives. Now let's look at verse 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there is no response. No one answered. They danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered, and no one paid attention. Now, this was supposed to be easy, right? Baal was supposed to just be able to send a lightning bolt and boom, light a fire, and it's done. But Baal, kind of like that toy I had, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't do anything aspar- compared to the real God. Now, a, a few weeks ago, I went hunting, and a side note on that, if any of you guys want to ever go hunting and you don't actually want to kill anything or you don't actually want to see anything, call me up because I'm the one to go because that's usually my case when I go. But anyway, when you get back, what's the expression you tell people? They ask you, how was your hunting trip? What's what, you, what's what do you say? Well, the hunting gods weren't with me today. Exactly. What are the hunting gods? I don't know what a hunting god is because there's only one God. So Amen. what is that? Amen. So the prophets of Baal are about to find out that there is only one God. They're about to find this out. We'll get to that story. Now, I said this was a smackdown, right? So did you pick up on, on part of a smackdown is the taunting, isn't it? Is the smack talk that they talk. And did you pick up pick that up from Elijah what he was saying? He's, he's taunting them. He's telling me, he goes, well maybe, maybe, maybe your God is, maybe Baal, maybe he's too busy for you. Maybe he's going, you know what, I know what? He's in the bathroom. <laughs> he doesn't have time. You gotta wait till he's out of the bathroom. But Baal wasn't home. Baal wasn't home. They were kept calling him and calling him and they kept getting worse and worse, even mutilating themselves. But he didn't respond. It would seem that maybe Baal just has deserted them. Maybe he was never there to begin with. So let's compare that to Elijah's God. Let's compare that to our God. Now here are some things in the, out of the Bible that we're going to read. We're going to begin with Deuteronomy 31:8. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you; he will be with you; he will never fail you nor abandon you. Then Matthew 28:20, 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this: I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Then lastly Romans 8:38 through 39, and am I am I, am I and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I need to share something else with you about Baal. I need to share you something else about his character. Now, when there was a drought or which they were in now, or when there is summertime when there wasn't any rain, what was believed is that the followers of Baal believed that he, he left them, and he did go. He went to the underworld, so he wasn't even around. But then when fall came or winter came and the rains came back, then they knew Baal had returned. So here's Baal. Here's Baal, the God that does leave you. That maybe he really was too busy for the prophets. Maybe he really was in the bathroom. Now compare that to our God. God that never leaves us. And some of us, maybe maybe we, we find out or we're starting to think that it's not so easy to try to do this without God. It's not that easy. That maybe this thing called life that we're all in, that... Maybe, maybe it's not that easy to do it without God. And maybe it's time to start doing it with him. Now, the great part of God is, too, is that even though maybe we have turned our back, even though maybe we haven't had God be part of our lives, that we're lukewarm or we're cold, that we haven't trusted him, he's always there. He's never abandoned us. He's never left. He is there. Now, Elijah, he's had enough. He's had enough of this. So he tells his prophets. he tells everybody, he says, come over here. So he repaired the altar to the Lord because I said that God was worshiped once on this mountain. So he repairs the altar. He digs a trench around this altar, and then he piles the wood up. He puts the bull on top, and then he does something else to just appear to make the odds just completely impossible for this to happen completely impossible what he does is he makes he shows us that God makes the impossible possible yeah. so Elijah tells him to take water and pour it over the top of the bowl and over the wood and he does this three times and there is so much water that the trenches fill up with water that the entire wood and offering are are sitting in water Now, has anybody ever tried to light wet wood? It doesn't work, does it? You might get it to smolder and smoke, but it never catches fire and burns up. But could you imagine trying to light wood that is actually sitting in water? That's not going to happen. That's impossible. But listen to these words says at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning your hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. The impossible is possible. Amen. Amen. God wasn't, he wasn't busy in the bathroom. God was with us. God never leaves us. Now, Elijah, he, as I mentioned this, he was the only prophet left. He was the only prophet of God left. was all 450 versus 1. All the odds were stacked against him. He even did things to make the odds stacked against him, to make those stacked against God, yet God did the impossible. Have you ever had those times in your life when you think all the odds are stacked against you? All the odds are stacked against you in life, that whatever you're facing, it's impossible. There's no way I can get out of this. There's no way this will work out. That even God being God, he can't figure this out. That we even just, maybe we abandon God. We become lukewarm. Maybe we even start to become cold and we start to follow some little G gods. And we start to follow them. And maybe we start to follow them because they give us some temporary, make us feel good for a little bit. But that's just temporary. Now I want you to imagine a Y, shape of a Y. And I want you to think that this is is a path that we're going to walk down. And we're walking down the straight part of the Y, and then all of a sudden, it splits. There's a fork in the road. Well, I try to walk, like I can put my left foot down the left path, my right down the right path, but eventually just doesn't it get too wide, and I can't go any further. I fall over, or I get stuck, and I just stop, or I have to take one leg, and I have to go on this path, or I have to go on this path. We have to decide. Now, human nature, or being me, at least me, I want to choose this easiest path. I want to choose the one where I can see and it's green and it's lush and everything looks happy and I don't have to work very hard. Maybe that's why I can't kill anything hunting because I always want to take that path. But we want to go down this easy path. This other path, we, we look down that and it's dark, it's scary. Maybe there's some corners that I can't see around. There's some blind spots in it. But I think that's the path God wants us to take. And why would he want us to do that? I think why he would want us to do that is because by taking that path, it's going to make me completely dependent upon him. That I won't be able to find my way on my own. The only way I can do that is with him. And that I don't start to worship other gods like Baal. Let's look at Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Like I said, God makes the impossible possible. Now I want to look at verse 39 of 1 Kings 18. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I can't say that any better. I can't say that any better. That God is always the winner of the smackdown. He's always. Because the Lord, he is God. Now, Baal, if he, if he was who he, thought he, who he thought he was, or they thought he was, if those other little gods are what who they thought they were Baal could easily have sent that thunderbolt down he could have start that fire but he couldn't he couldn't god with everything stacked against him did the impossible god can do the impossible in our lives god makes it possible and god's already won god's already won he's he is the forever champion he is the forever champion of this ultimate stack down, but we need to choose. God's always there. He doesn't take bathroom breaks. And have you ever heard the saying, don't put all your, or, don't put all your eggs in one basket? That seems like pretty good advice, doesn't it? It seems like pretty good advice if you're talking about investing in something or you're talking about, you know, you don't want to put them all in one basket because if you do, you're going to lose everything. You're not going to have anything left. But I'm going to say, when it comes to God, that's the worst advice possible. That advice is awful. It's horrible advice. When it comes to God, I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. I'm putting them all in his basket. I'm going to lose everything already because I'm going to put it, because I'm going to gain everything through him. Now, if I was a gambler, if I was a gambler, I'd go all in on God. I'd go all in. i put everything I have. And put it in on God. So who are you going to go all in on? That's my question. Who are you going to go all in on? And when you're going to decide that, remember the words of this nation of Israel when they said, the Lord, he is God. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for everybody here today. I thank you for just giving us your words, Lord. And just, I thank you for just You are the one and only true God, Lord.